of your prayers sound like that. It is absolutely packed full of gospel truth. There's loads that we could, that we could look at this evening, but the big thing that, that I want to see, the big thing that Paul prays for is power. Paul prays for God's power. And specifically, the power to do two things. At first, he prays for the power to be what God has made us to be. Let's look at verse 16 again. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Just before Paul prays this prayer, he's made some some pretty big, pretty astonishing claims about the church. Back in chapter 3, verse 10, he said the purpose of the church, the purpose of a gathering of people like this, is to display God's wisdom to the spiritual realms. To the watching world, the church is meant to display God's glory. It's like the church is God's trophy cabinet, his display of wisdom and power. That is what Paul says the church is, or what it's for. And so you can imagine, can't you, little old Ephesians thinking, really? Us? Gathered here like this, little old Ephesus evangelical church, display God's wisdom to the spiritual realms. How how are we meant to do that? It seems like a a massive task for the church, and it would be if they were going to try and do it by themselves. But Paul isn't praying, is he, for some sort of inner strength or resolve to be really great Christians or to come up with a new strategy for displaying God's wisdom. No, Paul is praying that they would be strengthened by God's power because he knows that the only way the church can be what God intends it to be is through God's power. How does God's power work in people? Verse 16, Paul prays that God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Again, back in in chapter 1, Paul said that that believers receive God's Spirit the moment that we first believe the gospel. If you are a Christian, then the Spirit of God has already moved into your life. Christ lives in you today by his Spirit. But that is only the beginning. Because having moved in, having taken up residence in your heart, it is then that the Spirit gets to work. Uh, I heard someone say it's a bit like uh, when you get married. Uh, slowly and surely, the bachelor pad begins to change. It begins to reflect the, the personality, the character, uh, the tastes and preferences of your wife. Uh, suddenly, pictures that you never imagined would be going up in your house uh, go up. And that is what, what Paul is praying for here. He has spent three chapters in Ephesians showing them what God has already done in them what he has already made them. But here he prays that God would give them the power to be that, to to live that out. He prays that God would strengthen them in their inner being, that he would change them from the inside out. Or as verse 17 says, that that Christ would dwell in their hearts, that he would redecorate them, renovate them, so that they would begin to look more and more like him. And he prays that because he knows that the more the church looks like Christ, the more it reflects Christ, the more it will display God's wisdom to the world. 
the more it will be who God has made it to be. What does that mean for us this evening? How should we think about God's power at work in us? Or just think for a minute about the, the challenges that you face at the moment. Think about those areas of life that, that need redecorating. Maybe it's a, an ungodly habit that you've fallen into. Maybe it's a part of your character, something that you've resigned yourself to being and, and you just find yourself saying, that's just what I'm like, I, I can't change that about me. Maybe it's a, a broken relationship, someone at church, you just, you just don't get on with it and you can't see that ever changing. When we think about it, there's loads, isn't there, that, that needs changing in us. There's those that we find hard to change, loads that, frankly, we don't want to change. But remember, Paul isn't some sort of self-help guru giving us top tips to improve ourselves. Now, he is praying for God's power. He is praying that God, who has infinite riches, infinite resources, would work by his power in us to make us what we already are. So that's the first thing, the power to be what God has made us. The second thing is the power to know what God has given us. Look at verse 18. Paul prays, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Again, love is a, a massive theme in Ephesians. It was in love that God chose us before the creation of the world. It was because of his great love for us that we've been made alive in Christ. It's in love rather than hostility that we are brought together and united in Christ. We are what we are because of God's love. And so verse 17, Paul says we are rooted, we're established in that love. But again, it doesn't stop there. Because being rooted in something implies growth, doesn't it? Plants are rooted in soil and they grow. And Paul wants the Ephesians to grow as they are rooted in God's love. Uh, what does that growth look like? What does it involve? Well, verse 18 says that it's the, the ability to grasp the size of the love that we have been given in Christ. Uh, just look briefly at the dimensions of that love. Paul says it's a love that is wide. So wide that it includes people from all nations, all backgrounds, all cultures, all types, all classes, whoever, wherever, whenever. Christ's love is so wide that no one is beyond its reach. It's a love that is long, unlike our love, which is so often temporary or, or fickle. Christ has loved us from before the creation of the world and will continue to love us for all eternity. Do you know Jesus will never get bored of loving us? He will never get tired of loving us or disappointed that he stops loving us. Now, his love is a permanent, steadfast love. It will last forever. It's wide, it's long, it's high. Paul says we have been raised up in Christ's love, seated in the heavenly realms with him. Because of his love, we have a glorious future, an eternal inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. And so as one person puts it, Christ's love has lifted us from the gutter to the palace, from the depths of hell to the heights of heaven. It is a high, exalting love. And then finally, Christ's love is deep. The reason we can be lifted up is because Christ was brought low. 
We see the depths of Christ's love as he hangs, dying on a cross for sinners like us. And so it's no wonder, is it, that Paul prays for power, God's power, to even begin to grasp the size of God's love. A love that is beyond measure. A love that, verse 19 says, surpasses knowledge. And that means knowing Christ's love is not something that we, we can complete in the Christian life. It's not a, a, something that we can tick off the Christian to-do list. There will always be more of Christ's love for us to understand. More of it to, to grasp and to appreciate. It's not something that we can complete. And it's not something that we can do alone either. Verse 18, Paul prays that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp this love. Christian growth is not a solo project. If we're going to understand more and more of this huge love for us, if we're going to grow as Christians, then we need each other. We need the church. And the church needs us. Because as we meet together like this, that we are able to understand more and more of Christ's love. It is as we meet together on a Sunday morning or an evening or in life groups or through the week that we, we get to see Christ's love working in the hearts of his people. And so Paul prays that, that God would give the Ephesian church the power to know more of Christ's love. So that, verse 19, they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So that they would know and experience the fullness of God that they already have in Christ. As Don Carson puts it in his book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation, Paul is praying that we would be who God has made us to be, that we would become spiritually mature. He says that Christian maturity is therefore not limited just to understanding, intellectual understanding. He writes, Paul assumes we cannot be as spiritually mature as we ought to be unless we receive power from God to grasp the limitless dimensions of Christ's love. We may think we're mature Christians because of our theology or our education or our years of experience or our church tradition, but Paul knows better. He knows better and so he prays for power. Power to grasp Christ's love. Power to be filled with all the fullness of God so that we might display his wisdom and his glory to the world. I think it's fair to say that Paul prays pretty big prayers, doesn't he? Not often that I pray prayers like this one. And I think, if I'm honest, part of the reason I don't pray like this is probably because I quite often have too small a view of God. Often the size of my prayers reflect the size of the God that I believe in. But that's not the case for Paul. Paul prays big prayers because he knows a big God. Look at how he ends in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul prays to the God that he knows is able to do immeasurably more than he can even think of. In his wildest dreams, Paul cannot come up with, cannot even dream of the kind of things that God is able to do. 
And so whilst it's not wrong to, to pray for the small things, we really mustn't limit God in our minds. We mustn't, as we, as we come together like this, sat in a hall to pray, let's not imagine that there is anything that we can say or even think of this evening that is too big or too great for God to do. As we think about uh, the youth and, and kids' work through this term and, and pray for that, even with all the, 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 rest, the kind of ongoing working out how we're going to do it and who's going to come back and, and all of that kind of stuff, let's remember that we pray to the God who is immeasurably bigger and greater than we can possibly think of. Let's remember that his power is at work in us as we serve him. His power that enables us to know and reflect Christ's love more and more so that this church can bring glory to his name. Let's pray for that power now. Let's pray together. Loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we want to to pray with Paul this evening that you would give us your power. Father, please give us your power to to grasp the enormity of Christ's love for us. Help us to know it. Help us to understand it. Help us to experience it. And help us to be changed by it. Father, by your Spirit, would you help us to love Christ more this week and to reflect him in all that we do. And we ask it for his name's sake. Amen. Uh, Paul thinks that we need uh, God's power to even begin to understand the size of his love, the size of his love for us in Christ. And we're going to have an attempt at grasping that as we sing about the size of that love uh, in our next song. So let's pray as we do that. Let's pray and sing about God's love for us in Christ. Uh, Let's stand and sing together.